Welcome to the Business Titans podcast, where we talk strategy on everything to do with growing and scaling your business. I'm your host, Oscar Chavez, and today we bring to you a profound guest. His name is Scott Schilling. He's an executive coach, international trainer, and speaker who brings a unique combination of 35 years in life experience in coaching, sales, marketing, and training corporations. He's, he's presented at nearly two and a half thousand live events, sharing the stage with General Colin Powell, Suze Orman, Jack Canfield, Les Brown, internationally accomplished and entertaining presenter. He has spoken to hundreds of thousands of attendees across a range of industries. Needless to say, he is a high performance man, which is why he's on the show today. And he even helped bring a company from 8 million annually to almost 100 million in just under six years. How are you going today, Scott? Doing great, Oscar. Thank you for the opportunity. Look forward to chatting here tonight. Yeah, me too. I'm so excited. So Scott, tell me, you're, you're a high performance person. I love talking to high performance people because there's always some sort of wisdom and, and guidance you can get from people like yourself. What was that moment in your life where you just thought, you know what, average isn't good enough. I need to pursue higher. I need to achieve my highest potential. Can you share with me that, that piece? Well, I think I was very fortunate that it was very early in my life. I played five sports growing up. And so I had some just amazing coaches all the way, right? And um, they instill in you, um, you know, I, I grew up in, in uh, Wisconsin and Vince Lombardi was there in winning isn't everything. It's the only thing. <laughs> right. So, you know, when you grow up with that as the professional sport that everybody looks to, right. And, uh, you know, we just, um, we had this desire to succeed and, and then we're given the tools and the various things to do that. And so it, you know, it carried through athletics and then got into, uh, into college. And then when I got into, into business, uh, you ever have one of those guys that wants to win every contest that's ever offered? Yeah. Yeah, that was me. So, <laughs> right. It didn't matter. It, you know, and, and I didn't want to just win it. I wanted to blow it away. And so I think, uh, you know, as you get a little more mature, uh, that's code word for old, it, you know, as you, as you uh, mature a little bit, maybe some of that um, uh, vim and vigor, you know, uh, settles down a little bit but you still want to, i just was on a phone call and and the guy said god i've never heard you like this and i said i'm just i'm disappointed i worked for a month to serve a friend but the reality is i can't care more about him and his business than mm, he does absolutely and but i do but i can't yes. and it, it you know so it, it's part of uh you know where do you get your drive from? I, I think I was very fortunate to play sports and therefore learn from some just amazing people that said, you know, teamwork makes the dream work, right? It's when, when you work together with people, it's amazing what you can accomplish. And um, I learned that very early so that when I did more things that were individualized, I was accustomed to carrying my portion of the weight yeah. as a team member. But then when you, when you are the team, then you really carry the weight, right? Yeah. yeah I absolutely. think that's how you succeed in, in a lot of things. Yeah, absolutely. And so people like yourself, Scott, I mean, high performance people, they have this ability to see directly through chaos and, and they, have their, they have this ability to generate incredible clarity when it comes to 
growing, when it comes to scaling, when it comes to taking your life to the next level. Now you've worked with various different people, many different businesses. What are some of the common themes that you see that are mistakes that people are making? Because you come in and you make a profound impact. You know, one guy comes in and from 8 million to 60 million, right? So there's a hundred million there. So there's, there's incredible experience there. What are some of the things that people are doing wrong and how do you get them back on the right path? Well, I think like in that situation, uh, we had a, we had a team of individuals. In other words, when I came in, everybody was going in their own direction. So if, if everybody's going in their own direction, there wasn't, there was no leadership, there was no guidance or guidance, guidance was by fire, right? Only when somebody did something wrong was some guidance given, right? As opposed to putting in a system that says, here's how we address people when they walk in the door. Here's how we do this when we do, you know, there was not a single part of the business process that we didn't train on. And, you know, we had five answers for every objection. And you did number one first, then number two, then number three, then number four, then number five. And here's what happened if you work through all five, you did this sixth thing. But what that did is, so when somebody would say to you, uh, you know, I'd really like a discount on your product. Well, we're not allowed to do that because quite frankly, uh, it would not be fair to all the people that, that are, that see the value in everything that we do. Okay, so that was the standard answer. So they'd go to the next person, they say, well, I want a discount. And they'd say, well, it's, I appreciate that, but we're not allowed to do that because then it wouldn't create the value for those who saw the value, right? In other words, the answers were all the same. We yeah. trained everybody to, now they did it in their own style and things like that. But the point is we put a system in place. System is save yourself time, energy, and money, right? So we, we put a system. I like that. I yeah, like that. That's great. So we, we put the system in place that, that there wasn't anything we didn't train on. So none of our team had expectations different from somebody else. And I think that's the biggest thing. You can walk in and you can see uh, so many different things, right? I mean, somebody's at the water cooler all day and somebody's got their head down working at their desk. One of the two of them is going to be upset, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because one's applying a lot of effort. The other one, maybe not so much. Yeah. And so, so then you, you have to address things like that, you know, again, and I'm not, I'm actually very easy to get along with, but I like consistency and some, some of those kinds of things. Yeah, that's incredible. I always say to my kids, it's, it's systems don't break, people break systems. So anytime there's something wrong, go back to the system, go back to the process and have a look at where things went wrong. So I love that you've, you've applied that. And it is fundamentals, right? Success is all about the fundamentals and, and adhering to them because it's easy to just learn something and then never do anything with it again. But it's important to keep those fundamentals um, at front of mind. So tell me, you've got a, a, a new book, Scott, which we want to talk about. It's called That Sucks. What now? Real world solutions to getting through what you're going through. So, so tell me about, I mean, you're, you're a really positive guy. So that doesn't sound like you. So can you t help us understand a little bit about your book? Well, yeah. Um, Oscar, you seem like a pretty positive guy. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Has anything ever happened in your life that would be less than positive? So many things, Scott. So many. <laughs> yeah, my, mine too. So 
<clears throat> just because we're positive people doesn't mean that less than positive things happen to us. So I was uh, describing to my friend, uh, one of my friends, a little bit about the book and near-death experience and a variety of different things that, that are in the book. And he goes, man, I never knew all these things happened to you. And I said, well, you don't wear every butt kicking on your sleeve. You know, I mean, you just, you don't publicly uh, announce I've been disappointed by this person or this has happened or that's happened, yeah. right? And he said, but, but man, I never realized you went through as much as you've gone through. And I said, eh, you know, it's just, it's made me better for all the experience. Uh, I, can, I can address things that other people who have never experienced that can address. I've been through it. I've been there, right? And he said, yeah, but he goes, what did you say to yourself when all those things came up? So without thinking about it, I just went, that sucks. What now? He goes, there's the name for your book. I said, yeah, but I don't talk like that. He said, that's especially why it is. See, even a guy who doesn't talk like that publicly all the time doesn't mean he doesn't ever say it. But he said, what do you mean when you say that? And I said, well, that's easy. That sucks. I wish it wouldn't have happened this way. What now? No time to sit and linger. Time to fix it. He said, see, there's the positive there's the positive coming through even that title, right? So I don't see it as a negative title at all. I don't see any of that, but it's that's why the subtitle is really real world solutions to getting through what you're going through. See, one of the things that, that I say in sales training as a way to answer an objection, please don't ever say, I understand. Because two things, number one, it could be argumentative. Number two, you haven't walked a mile in their shoes. The likelihood of you truly being able to understand is almost nothing. Mm -hmm. But 100% of the time you can say, I appreciate your situation because now it's your viewpoint on what they've been through. Well, with all the various things I've been through in my life, I understand. See, I believe that I've been trained up by these less than positive experiences so that when somebody comes to me and says, Scott, you just don't get it. You don't understand. And you say, Oscar, you know what? I've lived through a near-death experience too. Let's share, right? And so now there's that level of empathy. There's, there's that ability to connect because you've had a common experience, even if it was a less than positive common experience. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that that's your approach and, and you're a prolific sales trainer and you've done sales all over the world. And what I'm getting from you is the sense that it is a, it is a foundation of empathy. Would you say that that is, is, is a core part of being a better salesperson? Absolutely. People overcomplicate sales. They overcomplicate business. But the reason they overcomplicate business is because they overcomplicate sales. Without a sale, you got nothing. Yeah. I mean, you don't have a business, right? But sales is really four words. Identify, problem, provide, solution. Four words. That's yeah. all it is. Yeah. And so if, if I'm more empathetic in identifying your problem, I'm going to be able to provide a better solution. I'm going to do it faster with greater care, and you're going to be happier about it. You're not going to look at me like a salesperson you're going to look at me like somebody who's been counseling you to a good decision. <laughs> Absolutely. And it is about coaching someone to decision because sometimes people don't get the sale because of the, the prospects indecision. So I find that it's our responsibility to help them with that decision-making process and make them 
or help them make the best decision possible. And I, lo- I love that you've said that and, and finding, you know, finding the problems and th- through truly being a listener, I think there's a major challenge I- in the sales industry that people think that they can do this, the gift of the gab, and therefore they're a good salesperson. But that is, is that one of the greatest misconceptions of sales, Scott? Oh, absolutely. That just makes them a great orator or it makes them a, you know, they should be in the theater. That just means that they can spout a script, you know? <laughs> so, so now they're just a great actor. Now there's something to that, but the reality is the, the better questioner that you are, the better listener you are, that's the best salesperson because now I can properly identify that problem and align it with the proper solution. I mean, one of the questions that I train everybody to ask is one of the opening questions. You know, if you could improve one thing in your life, what would it be? Hmm. See, if I ask you that question, now I can modify it. If, it. if you could improve one thing in your business, what would it be? If you could improve one thing with your mate, what would it be? If you could improve one thing with your hobby, what would it be? Do you understand if I just substitute that one word, you're going to give me every piece of information to start the conversation, not conclude it, but to start it. If, if I say, if you could improve one thing in your business, what would it be? And say, gosh, I just wish I could sell more. So what would it mean to you if you sold more? You know, do you understand now we're in a question answer period where the one who's asking the question is actually in control of the sales process. Absolutely. And, and quite frankly, I work diligently to not direct you anywhere other than wherever it is you want to go. Yeah, absolutely. I love that framework and that structure. That's something that I teach as well. It is, it is really about listening and asking really good questions. And it's, it's not even difficult questions, right? It's simple, simple questions. We're getting to know each other human to human. Has, has you, you mentioned in your book and in, in some of the conversations that you have about your near-death experience, can you help me understand how that's really shaped you as, as a person and, and, and what's happened since then? Sure. There's a, a, there's a variety of, you know, I mean, my goodness, there's so much that's come out of that, so much positive out of that. Actually, I was walking along, walking, 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 and all of a sudden my legs stopped. And I looked down and I told my right foot to move and it said, hell no. And then I told my left foot to move and it said, hell no as well. And so I was standing on two tingling stumps uh, from just above the knees down to my feet. I, they were just tingling. And I started to get disoriented and fall backwards. Fortunately, there was a rail. I grabbed onto the rail. As I started to go down, some friends slid a chair underneath me. I was cold. I was gray. I was clammy. I was sweating profusely. I had four out of the five signs of a major stroke going on. Wow. And, and it happened to be in my cerebellum. And the cerebellum is responsible for speech, memory, fine motor skills, walking, talking, vertigo. And uh, if you're a professional speaker and trainer, the last place you want that to happen, quite frankly. But the reality is, by the grace of God, I walk away with nothing. And um, I, I went to the emergency room five hours, they misdiagnosed, this, misdiagnosed me, released me. I went back to my, help, my hotel room and my head hurt so bad, I cried out, God help. Yeah. And I heard an audible drop to your knees. So I slid out of bed and I prayed. And when I went 
to get back into bed. I didn't get into bed. I got on a cloud. Most amazing peace I've ever felt. I've wow. never felt it before, never felt it since. Went straight to sleep, zero pain. Woke up the next day, went on set, shot three TV shows. Then I went to a neurologist. He said, I want an MRI. Couldn't get it read until the next day. His first words, get your ass to the hospital, check into ICU, you've had a stroke. Then I spent six days in intensive care. And what I heard consistently from the doctors were, you do know you're not supposed to be alive now. And I don't care who you are, or maybe that's where a little bit of that fight comes from. When I'm probably four or five days into hearing, you shouldn't be alive now. I looked at the doctor and I said, well, I saw, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I've just always been an overachiever. Yeah, I lived. Absolutely. And, and he goes, you're kind of a smart ass, aren't you? And I said, no, actually I'm not, but I'm tired of hearing you tell me I'm not supposed to be alive. Absolutely. I'm very much alive. So let's get this thing on the road. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> oh, that is shocking. You're not like, what kind of hope does that inspire? None, right? It's better to not hear those things when you're in the position you are because yeah. Who else is supposed to tell you if you're alive or not? It's definitely not any other human being, that's for sure. Um, right. Well, it, what I did out of that is I developed five questions that I teach my, my students, my clients uh, to ask in any situation to turn it from a less than positive event to a learning event. Yeah. What's the lesson? What's the gift? What did I do to create this? How would I modify it next time to make it better? How is this going to serve me the rest of my life? So what's the, what's the lesson with my, with my stroke? Well, the lesson is when the back of your SUV comes down and smacks you in the back of the head and you have a headache for eight days, you should probably get checked out. Mm. What's the gift? I'm live kicking and well able to tell about it. Yes. What did I do to create it? Well, I might've thrown the back hatch of my SUV up too fast. I'm, you know, I might've ducked under it too quickly. W what would I do to modify it next time? Sell that vehicle. Don't ever keep a vehicle that attacks you, right? <laughs> Get rid of it right away. <laughs> How's this going to serve me the rest of my life? Well, we've used my story to run three galas to raise almost three quarters of a million dollars for heart and stroke research. We've, you know, I've got a new book. I've, personally had people say, you saved me. When, when you told me if I got a headache for X number of days, go to the doctor. They caught something just before, right? How's it going to serve me? It's going to allow me to use that story to be of benefit to others and make the world a better place. Oh, okay. I'm good. I love that. And it's so, it, this is why I love having these conversations, Scott, because every conversation I have like this is, is inspiring. And it really is filled with people like yourself who just want to make the world a better place. And I feel that the more you create that as your drive, the more success you can achieve because I mean, money is money's money, right? I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't fulfill it's, 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 it's temporary. Whereas true fulfillment and, and, and living life at your highest potential is, is so important. But I love out of that, that you've said, you know, one of those, I think it was the third one, it boils down to accountability. I always feel the same and that everything that's happened in my life, I should take accountability for that because there is something that I have done to contribute to that. Perhaps maybe there's something that I can change. And that is sage advice for anyone watching. It's, it's that wisdom that says, well, what can I do differently next time? What have I done to contribute to this? 
because there's always things about ourselves we can change, right? Well, there's an, yeah, absolutely. But the other side of that, that third question is what did I do to create this? Because I think far too many times when people are looking at good events in their lives, they don't acknowledge their contribution to creating a great event, right? Everybody is really easy to be hard on themselves. Yeah. They're, they're not so uh, quick to be gentle on themselves. And so again, what's the lesson? What's the gift? What did I do to create it? Well, you know, I, I studied, I did, you know, whatever it might be, right? I did, I took some positive actions that got me there. How would I modify it next time? Well, I would learn more. I would, the point is when you put them all together, it's amazing how it changes lives. I was, um, I did this, something very similar to this, except we had a, a kind of a studio audience and a girl said, um, you know, I was raped as a young girl. And I said, she said, can we run these questions with it? And I said, sure. You know, what's the lesson? She goes, I probably shouldn't have been wearing what I was wearing. What's the gift? I came through it and I'm alive. What'd you do to create it? I might've been flirting. I might've done some things. What would you do next time? Realize that's not a smart way to go. And quite frankly, I put myself in the hazard I didn't need to. How are you going to use this the rest of your life? I'm going to share on, on venues like this that girls, don't be silly. I mean, when it's with the right person, it's wonderful. When it's with the wrong, it's terrible. Yeah. Do the right thing. That, so that's, that's touching, Scott. That, it, that really is because that, that leads to true transformation because it, and I've been there myself that it's very easy to stay in the victim mentality and to allow your future to be totally impacted by negative circumstances that we've come across. And that example there shows me that there's nothing that we can go through that we can't apply that system <laughs> to create a better life for ourselves. Right. I'm so passionate right. about people creating the best life possible. And one of those things that you talk about a lot is, is the evidence log. I want to hear more about this and, and why you recommend that everybody do this. Well, see, I'm a, I, I believe that everybody needs to have faith in their lives. They need to have some kind of spiritual foundation. It is not my job to convince you to believe what I believe. It is my job to encourage you to believe in something. Okay. So by definition, I know you have faith. You know, how I know that you would never have this show because there's no assurance that anybody would ever watch. There's no assurance that anybody will ever listen. There's no assurance that you could actually get a guest on, but you have faith that you could accomplish all those things. See, by definition, faith is belief in the unseen assurance in the unknown. Yeah. Nobody would have ever have a business unless they had faith because there's no assurance that anybody would ever come to your business, right? So what an evidence log is, is after you have that faith and whatever your spiritual beliefs are or yours, that's awesome. It's all I want everybody to do is, is to believe what they believe and be a living example of that. That's your right, do that. But at the same time, once you have that faith, the reality is faith by definition is confidence in the unseen hasn't happened yet. I haven't seen it. Assurance of the unknown. I'm not even sure that I know what it's going to be. So to strengthen your faith over time, when the event does happen, 
I encourage you to log it in an evidence log, right? So you might say, I have faith that I'm going to have this interview, or I have faith that XYZ is going to be on my show, or I, all those kinds of things. So then once it happens, you go, you know, remember when four months ago I said XYZ was going to be on my show? Three and a half months later, they were on my show. See, I knew having faith was valuable. I love that. That's so important, right? It is, it is so important to believe. I, I t I've read a lot of books, Scott, and, and one of the things that I've really distilled is that all of our beliefs determine our outcomes. Right. Um, and I, I go through a system of, of explaining exactly how that works, but it really is fundamental that everything we believe shapes our identity. Everything we believe determines the way we act, the way we feel, the way we relate to others, the sense of achievement that we get in our lives, the things we pursue. And it all begins with that foundation of belief. And I love that evidence log. Um, I love that because it, it, it just helps propel you forward because it doesn't mean that because you're successful today, you'll continue to be successful for the future. Um, I heard this morning that there's a very, there's a very, uh, there's a, there's a very small tumble between success and insignificance. And when you hit those things that are successful, you've got to, if you get up early, get up earlier. If you're hungry, get hungrier. If you're driven, get more driven. If you're healthy, get healthier. And it's that, it's that flow on effect that as you age, as you get older, it's important to keep growing and growing and growing. Where do you see Scott in the next 10 years? Are you going to continue to be growing and continue to living this high performance life? What, what are you aspiring to do, Scott? Oh, I got, I got lots of lives to help improve. <laughs> you know, I mean, you don't, uh, you don't take all the beatings I've taken and, and then say, I'm just going to pack it in and not share any of them. No, I mean, I, yeah, my, I, I truly believe um, that, you know, for the next 10 years and well beyond, I'll be sharing messages of hope and inspiration. I'll be helping people um, really achieve their dreams, their goals, their desires, help with those transformations to um, encourage people that they can truly accomplish whatever they want. I mean, I've been very blessed to do events, uh, like you said, 2,500 events, speaking over to a million people live you know, probably 27,000 thereabouts in the largest audience to date. I truly believe that this year I'll speak to a crowd of 90,000 or more. Um, I, I've seen it. I know it's going to happen. Um, and uh, that's provided we can put 90,000 six feet apart from each other. But anyway, <laughs> that's a whole nother story. <clears throat> no, but I mean, the, the point is that... Um, We've, we've been given these experiences as blessings, I think, so that we can, again, be better off for living through them to understand you can come out the other side of it okay, and you can be of service with that. You know, uh, I've got friends, I've never done military service, but I have friends, I've got one friend that was blown up twice, not once, wow. but totally blown out of a Hummer twice in Afghanistan. I mean, literally got blown up once, uh, took 14 months to recover, went back to the theater, got blown up again. And so, but when you sit and talk to him, and I talked to, talk about him a little bit in the book, and I said, you know, I said, Brian, what's that like? And he said, you don't get blown up twice and survive and then not share. 
it just doesn't work that way, right? I mean, I was saved so that I could share resilience, so that I could tell people. Now, did it hurt like hell? Oh, you bet. Are you kidding me? It, it, there were times that was it, it was unbelievable, right? But I said, how do you keep such a great attitude about it? He said, because I'm still here, dude, right? His purple heart license plates are nice try. <laughs> Now, if that's not a sense of humor, I don't know what is, right? Yeah. And, and so, again, why would we take all these instances that, that have come through our lives and that not utilize them to serve other people with it? Hmm. You know, experience is a great teacher. It's just a very expensive teacher. Better to borrow experience than to get it yourself. Yeah. And so model things, you know, I mean... Anybody can do, who, who am I to have done 2,500 live events? Packed stadium, shared the stage with every name you know. You might not know my name. That wasn't my task for you to get, get you to know my name. But you know all their names. Well, I got to sit with them and, and counsel with them. And you know what? They're just like us. Yeah. They, they just wanted to do to something to serve other people at some point, right? But who am I to have accomplished what I've accomplished? That's not an ego statement. That's a, wow, you know, you just got to have some want to. Yeah. I, I can teach the rest. I can't teach you a want to. You got to want to make <laughs> a difference, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. I love that, Scott. Um, so look, let's, let's, we're going to have to start wrapping up soon because we're almost at time, but I want to understand from you, Scott, what are, what are some of the things that business owners can do to be better at sales? Because it is something that scares a lot of people. So we've talked about empathy. We've talked about great questions, but what other piece of advice can you give business owners that, that do want to truly sell to help the world be a better place? Well, let me demystify sales. Um, everybody's in sales every minute of every day. Now that's a pretty dramatic statement. I'd ask you, I'd, I'd expect you to want me to prove it. Okay, I'll prove it. How many of you have ever been on a date? You made a sale. <laughs> How many of you have ever put a kid to bed? You made a sale. <laughs> How many of you are married? You're better at this than you think you are. Yeah. Okay. The point is all of those are sales. Sales is simply the exchange of a product, good or service for an amount of money or its equivalent makes my heart feel good. So I've exchanged a piece of information. Well, I created my own heart centered selling definition, education through communication without manipulation. See, my job as a salesperson, I don't ever want to sell you anything, but I always want you to buy a lot from me. Therefore, it's my responsibility to create an environment for you to want what I have, which means I educate you through communication and not manipulation. Yeah. So it, you really become a teacher. A good quality salesperson is an amazing teacher that listens, asks great questions, listens, and then answers those questions appropriately. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that, Scott. Well, look, I'm going to press stop on the recording. Give me one second and I'll talk to you offline. But thank you so much for sharing that incredible wisdom and the value with the audience. And I'll send you this information after. Is there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't? No, I, I just where to get my book. 
But other than that, yeah, please. Where do we where do we read this thing? How do we get it? T S W N book. That sucks. What now? The the four, first four letters T S W N book dot com, and uh, would love to have you get it because it's truly improving lives around the world right now, and that's the most exciting part. Yeah, I truly believe it. Just from this uh, small conversation with you, I can tell that you're an impactful man and that you're going to continue to change generations and, and, and continue to change the world. So uh, thank you so much for your time, Scott. Really appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. One sec.